Hey, y'all. Um, welcome. Welcome to Midtown 12 South. If you, um, hopefully you're in the right spot. Um, thankful that you're here. Thankful that you are um, spending a Tuesday with us, uh, knowing that there's about a trillion other things you could be doing. Um, most of you probably work today. Uh, you're probably tired. And so uh, it's not lost on us that you would, uh, would kind of spend the evening with us. So thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. I'm Daryl. I'm one of the pastors here at Midtown. Um, and Young Professionals is sort of in my like purview, if you will. It's kind of um, what I've been charged with. Anyone that's kind of 18 to 40, sort of, you know, I got to make sure they're doing okay. Um, and so it's actually my, the favorite part of my job to, to be able to do this uh, because there's so much uh, life and so much energy so many of you that show up on a Sunday, and so um, hope that that keeps happening. Really enjoy, uh, enjoy being with you. If, you. if it's your first time here, uh, which we know it may be for some of you, bathrooms are just through this door up the stairs. Um, you saw the sign-in sheet and all that. Uh, there's snacks and drinks in the back at any point. If you're like, I need some peanuts, just go get some. Um, and water and LaCroix back there too, so please at any point, don't feel, don't feel, we- you don't have to feel weird to get up and go get a drink. Um, yeah, perfect. And so, before we get started, um, I do have just a couple of announcements, and then we'll kind of talk a little bit about how these nights are structured. Some of you are familiar with this, some of you may not be, uh, and so we want to do a quick kind of a refresh for those of you who are, uh, and an onboard for those who are not. Um, but before all that, uh, just a couple things we have coming up. Actually, I need to ask, Carrie, is your study full? Carrie is doing a women's Bible study meets on Monday nights uh, downstairs, right? Downstairs in this building. Um, She's got a couple more spots. Starts next Monday, September 11th. Never forget. And so you want to make sure that, uh, just let her know if you haven't signed up for that and you want to go, please let her know. We'd love to have you. Um, It's seven weeks with an eighth week dinner at Carrie's house. And so the dinner at Carrie's house is is worth the other seven weeks, honestly. Um, so please uh, avail yourself of that opportunity. Secondly, uh, we have um, rented out, if you guys are familiar with Sandbar, uh, bar in town, uh, we've rented it out on September 22nd. Um, and so we want you to come, please, because it costs a lot of money. Uh, and so uh, we rented it out. Uh, we rented out a couple courts. Uh, we opened a bar tab. Um, and so you'll find the registration for that. We do ask that you register because there is like a small fee uh, to come with us. Uh, so we, uh, we want to roll that out to you. Um, you'll see that in communication coming up, so please join us there. It's on a Friday night, September 22nd, I believe is the day. Uh, so we'd love to have you. Um, and also bring whoever you want. Um, it's obviously not a Midtown exclusive event, so um, just don't bring anybody that goes to Midtown West. Other than that, you can bring anybody you want. Uh, so, yeah, bring friends, bring coworkers, whoever you feel like bringing would be great. Uh, next, uh, you may have seen a message about this. Uh, certainly if you were here on Sunday, you heard Lisa talk about our small groups, which is... Uh, probably our, you know, maybe our most important ministry that we do. Uh, it's our ministry that's the most intergenerational. Um, there's a reason we don't necessarily have young professional only small groups um, is because we want you with the church. Um, and so interacting with folks in different ages and stages. Um, so those are live now, those signups. I don't know if there's any spots left. I'm hoping there are. Uh, but if you're not in one of those groups, there are some uh, little QR code deals in the back on that table um, in, on this entryway. Just grab one of those, scan it, and Lisa will, will hit you up and tell you where you need to go. Um, and then lastly, we are a church that loves to uh, serve and loves to encourage folks to serve. Um, we'll talk about this in a few minutes, that the best way to actually get to know folks in your church is to serve alongside of them. And so um, oftentimes we can come in and kind of sit. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with that for a season. Uh, but eventually you're going to get asked to do something. And so um, if you hang around the creek long enough, you're going to fall in. And so we want you to make sure that you're serving and getting to know folks. Uh, we have opportunities within our church. Obviously on a Sunday morning, it takes a lot of people to make that work. Uh, and we also have organizations outside of the church that we partner with. And maybe my favorite one um, is an organization called Young Lives. And... Um, I was a young life leader for 20 years. I was on staff with them for a while. Um, it's wonderful. And I think even, you know, I did suburban young life ministry. And, 
And still Young Lives, I think, was the, is the best thing that Young Life does um, because uh, it is an outreach ministry to teen moms. And if you can kind of transport yourself back to high school um, and think about how awful that was. If, please don't do that right now. You'll start crying. Um, but you think of the challenges that that stage of life presented. Um, and if you throw a baby in the mix of that, you're going to get a little bit close to what uh, some of these teen moms are going through. And so we believe that Jesus loves teen mothers. Um, his mom was one. Uh, and so we know that there's a special place in his heart for that. And so uh, we want to um, let you guys know of an opportunity to serve with them on a regular basis doing childcare um, on their club nights, uh, kind of watching and holding babies while the moms get to go and kind of just be a teenager. Um, it is a wonderful opportunity. Um, so please, uh, if you don't do anything else around here, uh, please consider doing that. Uh, McCleary is our point person for that. She's over there with her hand raised. Um, so go and see her. Are dudes allowed to do that? Sweet. Dudes, it is. Um, so do, yeah, you, you guys can hold a baby. I do it every day. It's kind of fun. Um, so please, uh, there are also other opportunities. You can bring food, right, McCleary? What? You can bring food? Yes. yes. So even if you don't want to hold babies, but you're like, oh, I can bring casserole, like do that too. There's plenty of opportunities to get involved there. So please see McCleary for that. See myself for that. We can get you where you need to go. Um, so that's all I have for that. And so uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of talking tonight, but I promise it's not going to be like this all the time. Um, whenever we gather like this, uh, we try to do this once a month on the first Tuesday of the month. Um, because we want to not only provide like social connections, that's certainly something we want to do, uh, but our hope is in providing social connections for you and social opportunities and things like pickleball, etc., is that that would sort of funnel you into nights like this where we can open up the Bible together um, and talk about it. And uh, as an opportunity to, to hear from Scripture, an opportunity to see one another and kind of talk about things that may be going on in your lives. Um, and so on nights like this, we call them fellowship nights because we don't want to just call it a teaching night because it's more than that. Uh, but we do know that teaching is an aspect of this. Uh, and so typically how this night is structured, if you're new to us, I'll talk for a few minutes. I'm going to ask you a question that I want you to like kind of break up in little small groups together and sort of discuss that for a little bit. We'll come back. I'll talk some more. We'll break up. We'll kind of do all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that is sort of the flow of the night. And then um, when I was kind of talking to the Lord about what he would want for us, um, really for this year, kind of what would be a good theme for us to talk about, um, this idea of uh, the church you've always wanted kept coming back into my mind because uh, I have a lot of those conversations with you um, when I'm meeting with you. And um, there are so many good ideas that you guys have uh, about church and some terrible ideas that you have about church. And so um, we want to talk about some of those and really to kind of put some fences around it, really to look at kind of a different topic each week of um, if this is a church that you've always wanted, if you could kind of craft the one that you want, what are like some healthy markers that you would look for? Because we understand a couple things. Um, it's hard to find a healthy church. Um, I would say Midtown's getting there. I, I think we're doing okay. Um, but it's hard to find a healthy church, and we know that we probably don't have you forever. Nashville costs a lot of money. You want to buy a house, you're not going to buy it here. Um, and so you're probably going to move. So we also want to equip you for the day that you leave us, and I'll never talk to you again. Um, we want to kind of equip you for that, too, to say, this is actually what I want to look for uh, in the church if I'm, if I'm going to move somewhere else, if my job takes me elsewhere, family takes me elsewhere. Uh, what are some things we can look for? Um, and so the first one that we're going to talk about is um, how the church is really a community unlike any other. Uh, it is, a, it is um, y'all, it's, it's kind of fascinating that the church still exists um, because— there have been plenty of times that we could have taken this whole thing down. Um, and so if that's the case, then it must mean that God has some sort of mission for his church. And so uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, we're going to get into some other topics next month. My friend Megan McCarthy is going to come talk about um, like emotionally healthy friendships. Uh, when you start to build a community, how do we keep that community healthy by knowing who we are and knowing who others are? 
Um, so we'll talk about grace. We're going to talk about how to change. We're going to talk about all this kind of stuff, uh, what to look for in a church. Um, but we're going to start tonight with looking in the book of Acts. It's, it's a very popular, um, probably the most popular passage when it comes to talking about the church. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, either on your phone or um, in person, we don't have screens because I didn't do them. Um, so we're going to be in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. It's five verses or six verses on um, a community that we even now look back on, um, this early church, uh, the first church, if you will, um, that we kind of look back on with fondness um, and look back on sort of with this idea that those were the good old days. And I think we're wrong when we do that. Um, they certainly had their problems, but also we don't know when Jesus is coming back. And so we could very much be the early church. Uh, it could be a thousand years from now. It could be tomorrow. It could be in 10 minutes. I hope it's in 10 minutes. Um, but it, we don't know when that's going to be. And so we can't just look at this church with like a nostalgia. We can actually look at this church and say, this might actually be something we can emulate and something we can have here. And so um, that's kind of where we're going to steer uh, tonight's discussion. And um, so if we have, if you have a copy of the scriptures, I'm going to start reading Acts 2, uh, starting with verse 42. And we'll go through 47 through the end of the chapter there. Uh, so this is where the Lord... And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, I do thank you for your uh, mercy and your kindness to us. Uh, for my friends here, uh, that they would uh, take a risk to hear what you might have for them. Uh, Lord, that you would um, bless the reading of your word uh, and the teaching of your word. Uh, that you would apply it to our hearts. And that you would send your Holy Spirit to comfort us. Uh, that you would uh, send your Holy Spirit to protect us, Lord. Uh, protect us from the evil one. Uh, protect us from bitterness. Um, from reading about such a community and realizing we don't have that. Uh, Lord, would you, would you save us from that? Uh, and would you move us uh, into seeing how uh, you may have a plan uh, for all of us. And that we would uh, walk into that willingly uh, because you have been so good to us. In your name we do pray. Amen. Uh, so here's the deal with this passage. Um, this is, uh, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, the second chapter. Uh, the, the first chapter of Acts is the institution of the church. So uh, the Holy Spirit is on fire, uh, you know, kind of literally, tongues of fire coming down. Um, and the church has exploded. Uh, it's gone from just like, you know, about 700 of Christ's disciples to almost overnight um, having about 3,500 people in it. Um, and it just keeps growing. And this, as the church is moving and moving, um, they're in Rome, right, and in the Roman world. The Roman world is kind of taking notice of this uh, kind of phenomena that uh, is taking place. And they're looking at it with wondering, like, what the heck is happening? Christians are looking at it thinking, like, what the heck is happening? We're kind of swept up into this movement that is, that is moving so far uh, and so fast and um, what Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, and also the book of Luke, um, gives us is an opportunity to look and say, here's what's taking place in this church, um, and it's actually not anything that, that, that's that crazy. Um, that they are committing themselves to like a few different things, um, and it's not anything that's necessarily out of the ordinary. Um, but what has happened is uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is moving so fast and so well uh, and so wonderfully in the lives of these people uh, that they're really experiencing this explosion. Um, it's a very organic uh, growth. And it's a, it's a growth that the church, even you know, a couple thousand years later, has kind of looked at and thought, how can we strategize this and make our church like this? Um, and the thing is that we can't <laughs> because we're not this church. Um, this is what God had for them. But there are things we can take from that to see uh, what is 
what, what are some things we can take away that God is doing and that God is at work uh, that we could apply to us? And so um, when, we, when we use the word organic around church, oftentimes uh, it's implied that that's accidental. We're like, oh, we just want it to be organic, which means we like, don't tend to it. Um, but if you know anything about organic gardening, organic farming, it actually is a lot of work. Um, so organic never means accidental. Organic doesn't mean uh, that you ignore it and just kind of let it work. Um, when you have something that, that you're wanting to grow organically, you're actually tending to it. Uh, you know, you're not using weird stuff. You're not using chemicals. Um, you're not using weird strategies. You're kind of just tending to what the Lord is already doing and then watching that grow. That's exactly what this church is doing. Um, but they're doing it in kind of three different ways that we're going to look at. Um, they meet together, they eat together, and then they greet together. So these are uh, what we can look at this church and the things that they're doing. Um, and I think when we leave here, we can, we can leave here with a little application of what to do next. Uh, so first, if we look at how they meet together, um, throw out, if you, if you guys have your copies of your scriptures open, um, start throwing out a couple of things that they're doing together. Go for it. Starting with verse 42. Breaking bread. Ooh. Breaking bad. Breaking <laughs> bread. Cooking meth together. Um, what does that mean? Who said that? Corinne. Hey. Um, yeah, it just means like hanging out, eating together, yeah. spending time together, communing. Nice. Time. Food. Love it. What else? Say again. Ooh. What does that mean? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Praying together. Give me like three more things they're doing. Ooh, who said that? Selling their things. Why do you think they're doing that? I think you're right. Yeah, good job. Is this socialism for all our conservatives in the room? Huh? Huh? It's good. It's not socialism, right? Socialism is done at the barrel of a gun, right? The government is forcing you to do it. These guys are doing it willingly. That's why it's different. So whenever someone says it's socialism, you tell them they're wrong. Tell them Elliot said so. Uh, so they're selling their stuff. Uh, give me one more thing. Say it again. Ooh, worshiping. Does worshiping have two P's? I'll put a question mark next to it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Somebody fact check me on that. Um, so these are just a few of the things that they're doing together. Um, and this is where I want you to kind of break off a little bit into like some groups. Just grab like two or three people around you. If you know them, great. If not, that's fine too. Um, I want you to discuss this. Is this like a foreign concept? To us now, when you think of the church as it as it sits today, um, is this like a foreign thing or is this normal? Um, what they were experiencing as they were meet, meeting together, talk a little bit about that. Is this just unique to them, or is it unique to us and they didn't get it? Like, what is um, when you think of how they met together? And in, in the way and the manner in which they did, is this a foreign concept? Go ahead and talk about it. I'll give you, as long as I feel like giving you. I won't give you a time limit. Oh, more LaCroix. We're restocking LaCroix if anybody wants one. If anybody wants one. Um, Let's see. True it. What did uh, what did your crew say? Um, we talked about. I think the main two things one we talked about was selling our possessions and then praying. Um, we talked about how we don't necessarily pray to pray corporately, but we don't necessarily have a lot of individual or like small or group prayers. Or even within your friends, a lot of times you know you can talk about God or talk about hey oh y'all pray for me about that, but we don't actually just 
Yeah. Would y'all agree with that? What do you think about that, Julia? She agrees. It's all needed here. Um, yeah, it is. Um, it can seem a little foreign. Um, and it also happens, which is what's wild, right? Mill trains happen all the time. But to, if you were here on Sunday, Elliot preached about this. To admit that you have a need that someone could meet for you is, like, so difficult. I love to be the one who meets people's needs for them. I don't like to be the needy one. And so, like, all day I'll be like, yeah, let me see how I can help you. But when I need to, like, raise my hand for help, I don't want to do that because it's hard. Um, Here's what the Roman emperor at the time said about these Christians. This is wild. He said, The Christian faith has been, spe- has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well, while those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. So this is Julian, the Roman emperor in the 4th century, writing about the current state of the church there. And he's saying, the church is doing this so well that the Roman citizens are looking at us and saying, what does the matter with you? Like, the Christians are taking care of us, and, and you guys aren't. And so there's not a single Jew, they said, that, you know, this, this could be hyperbole, but Julian is saying, there's not a single Jew who's hungry. They have everything that they need. Those Christians have all that they need, and they're not only meeting the needs of their own folks, but they're starting to meet the needs of our folks, and our folks are starting to ask us why we're not doing this. And so the Roman government answer to that was start killing them, which is a weird answer to people who are trying to help your people. Um, y'all, this was, this was unlike anything the Roman world had seen, and it just seemed like every time they would persecute or kill one of these believers, that the movement just got stronger. Um, that's, what's, that's what's insane about the church. Like when I started out and saying it's a miracle that the church is still here, is there have been so many folks who have tried to snuff it out. Satan himself, right, on the, at, at the crucifixion, tries to kill this. We're going to talk about this in Revelation chapter 12, which is insane. But this, this scene that goes on beyond the veil of what we're able to see is that there's, there's evil forces who are always working against the church, and for some reason the church keeps triumphing. Um, and so that these folks would cling to the teaching of these men who had been with Jesus, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to breaking the bread. And so they devoted themselves to all these practices that they got from Luke and Paul and Peter and these men who had spent time with Jesus, and they just devoted their lives to it which is bizarre. And it's, a, it's both a challenge and sort of a compliment, right? Because what you're saying, and if you're here and you're curious, welcome. If you're here and you're not a Christian, we love that you're here. What you're saying when you say that Jesus is Lord is that Jesus is Lord, which is a bizarre thing to say. 
you're saying that there is something I'm going to I'm going to center my life around and it's going to be the lens in which I see everything else everything I, the way I see the world the job that I take the person I date the city I move to the church I go to everything is going to be seen through the lens of Jesus Christ ruling over everything and that's what these Christians are up against, right? Because, um, as you know, if you're here in our Revelation study, the reason they're being persecuted is because they're not acknowledging that Caesar's Lord. They're saying Jesus is Lord and we can't bow a knee to Caesar. And then they're getting killed, but for some reason it keeps growing. And they just keep meeting together. And so they don't shy away or they don't go into hiding. They sort of like puff their chests out and just start meeting together. And so that's the first thing that they do. The second thing they do is that they eat together, which Corinne talked about. Um, remember that Jesus, he's left this crowd not very long ago, and certainly the men that were with Jesus are now with them. And so uh, when they're eating together, it is like social meals. It's certainly not less than that. Um, but they're also taking the Lord's Supper together, which to a, a Roman or a non-Christian who's observing this, y'all, that, it's insane to say this is the body of the blood of Jesus and we eat it and we drink it. Like if I had to explain my job in a bad way, that's what I would say. I eat and drink Jesus' blood. Because it's a weird thing to think about that what they've devoted themselves to when they devote themselves to the breaking of bread is that they're saying we remember when Jesus in the upper room is instituting this Lord's Supper and he's telling Judas that he's going to betray him and he's telling the other disciples, I'm about to be killed. And he says, I'm going to leave you, but what I'm going to leave you with is a meal to remember me until I come back. And if you're like me, the return of Jesus is kind of hypothetical. Like, it's kind of just this thing that's, like, out there. But these guys really believed it. Um, Eugene Peterson, who's a, who was a pastor, passed away a couple years ago, he said that these folks would have lived like kids with their faces smashed against the window, like, in anticipation of someone coming home. They would have lived in such a way that they would have broken bread together and said... I'm taking this and I'm actually going to believe that Jesus is coming back. And that's going to inform the way that I live. Um, and so my second question for you um, is when you look at a community like this, it's very easy to take kind of Midtown and kind of where we are and point out all the things that are wrong with it. I certainly want you to do that at some point. Just do it to me. Just don't do it like in this room. Um, Here's what I want you to do. What can you bring to this fellowship that would make it look more like this? And this is going to be hard for you because you have to compliment yourself, and we're really bad at that. But I want you to think about what can you bring to, or what would you need to bring to Midtown to make it resemble what we see going on like right here? When we see them meeting together and we see them eating together, what, would, what, what can you bring to this fellowship that would make it look like this? Does that make sense? Perfect. Go ahead and break up again. Take some time. I'll hit you up in a second. Not as much chatter on that one. Not as much chatter on that one. Um... Real quick, let's pick on this side of the room. Honor, what did uh, what did y'all say back there? You knew it was coming. Um, Better be ready.
great. Service. Well done. Well done, you, Austin. Um, could y'all hear what Austin just said? I want a follow-up question to that. Why is that so hard? What he just said. Could you repeat that? Um, your, your favorite two parts. Good job. Uh, meeting new people at things like this and bringing someone with you. Why is that so hard? It's vulnerable. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. No, that's good. Uh, uh, tell me more about that, oh. therapist Corinne. Let's take what Corinne just said. I'm going to camp out on this for a minute, y'all. I'm about to get to preaching. Um, if the church is a place that that ought to be the norm, why is it so hard? You'd make a lot of money if you did. Does that, does that resonate, what Cheyenne said? So why is that so hard? I sound like a toddler. Why? Yeah. Would y'all agree with that? People are weird. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. You know, there's the joke that the, like, Christ's greatest miracle is that he had 11 close friends in his 30s. <laughs> like, there is, there is something about y'all, like, I say y'all, and, and I, would, I would say post-college until the day you die, until the sweet release of death. Um, <laughs> like, friendship is so hard. It's why we're, that's why we're so bad at it, because it's hard. Because um, we don't trust Right? I don't trust any of you, except for maybe Hawk. <laughs> we had a really good dinner the other day. It was great. Um, there, is, there is something that's ingrained in us 
we would and we could point a finger on it and call it sin because we know that that's what it is. That that keeps us at a distrust, right? So inviting people to church is hard. One, because they might go somewhere else. Two, it is a little bit of a risk. Three, if you're bringing them here, where the hell do they sit? <laughs> like, there's nowhere to go. And so, like, whenever you, whenever you do kind of go out on that limb and you're like, well, you know, come to Sandbar with me or whatever, it does open up this, it's like dating. It's like dating. Like, it opens you up to being told no. And that's not fun. Um, and also what it does, and this will kind of segue into our other point, is that as soon as you do that, it changes the, the dynamic, which is what we're really afraid of because church is safe. Or we think it's safe, right? Um, that I've curated, I've found something that I love, and I want to be the last one in before they lock that door. And I don't want anybody else in. Except when we look at this church, Y'all, if you have a copy of the scriptures, around, I'll just read it to you. In verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The verse before that, they attended the temple together, they broke bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts. They were doing the thing that y'all are talking about, that you like want. These folks are doing it, and we've somehow lost that. Society certainly plays into that. Cultural norms plays into that. America wasn't mentioned here. America's different than other things. Um, but at, at the baseline, when these folks gathered together, and this is our last point, is that they would greet together. And this might be the hardest thing about church is because um, whether you're coming out of like a campus ministry background or a youth group background or whatever, there are kind of in the church these like, it's kind of like holy huddles as we call them, of like, right, we got like the YPs, we got whatever those old people are calling themselves. Um, you know, you got your, uh, it's kind of your normal, like your 40s, your normies. Um, you got kids, right? There's you got parents that have kids, and, like, they're exhausted. I'm so tired, y'all. Um, and they're in their kind of unsocial world. And so you have all these different circles or spheres of influence, Abraham Kuyper calls them, that you operate in, right? Here's your job. This is your friend group. This is your fantasy football league, David. Um, this is... You know, all, all the different places that you kind of play and operate, and they're all separate from each other. And it's super weird when your friends from, like, high school meet your friends now. You'll find this out when you get married. Um, your wedding reception, everybody's drunk because it's too awkward. That's why everybody gets drunk at weddings. <laughs> it's too weird. Um, and so all these things are operating, Right? This church had that too. We kind of can forget that. Right? They had kids. They had parents with kids. They were different ages. They were in different stages. They had jobs. Um, And so they somehow managed to take all these little huddles and turn it into one big one that we call church. Right? This is Sunday morning. The Sunday morning worship experience, right? Is might be the only place during your week where you're interacting with folks from all of these different groups. And so then what can happen is this. Is that you got all these people, right? Little stick figures that are here at your church and they're all sort of looking in. Right? They're focused on the church. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But what it can mean is this. If I invite somebody into this it's going to blow it up because people are unpredictable. Um, if I bring somebody who's an alcoholic into this, it changes the dynamic. If I bring my friend from work into this, it means that I might n- not get to go to lunch with the person I want to go with because now I have to worry about them. Or what if they think the music's dumb? Or what if they think Elliot sucks, which they probably do. What if they think like all this, like, 
I'm now thinking about what they're thinking about. And I'm not even able to engross in this. And so it's just easier to not do it, right? Um, could we all admit that? Is that okay? I promise we won't kick you out. Some of you aren't even members, so we can't. Um, but what this church is doing is they're taking that, right? They're taking this kind of big circle that we call church, and they're looking this way. So there's still a huddle, right? They're still saying, these are our people, but we want more people to come in. And that's like, that's terribly vulnerable. And so, um, maybe some encouragement with this is this. And you, you'll probably feel this with your friend group. Midtown has a reputation of being clicky. I just tell people to get over it. Um, clicks aren't bad, bad clicks are bad. Um, and so, how do we take what we know of ourselves and what we know of other people and what we know of the church and then begin to move from looking in to looking out? Um, if y'all know who C.S. Lewis is, you probably do, um, or at least heard of him. Uh, he was part of this writing group called the Inklings. They've gotten a lot of press, and preachers talk about him too much, honestly. Um, but there's three major guys. There's Charles William, there's Tolkien, and there's Lewis. And uh, Charles Williams died unexpectedly. Um, he was one of the uh, authors. They would kind of trade notes all the time. And when Lewis is writing about Charles dying, he says this. In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights that my own... that. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never see Tolkien react to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Tolkien now and having him all to myself now that Charles has died, I actually have less of him. Hence, true friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third, and three by a fourth, if only the newcomer is qualified to become a real friend. Then they can say, as the blessed souls in Dante's Inferno say, here comes one who will augment our loves. Bringing someone into this actually gives you more of other people, not less. Hawk and I had lunch the other day, and we were talking about how weird it is when you have three roommates and then you go down to two. Because you're like, oh, man, first of all, you're the only other person I get to talk to now. But secondly, like, I don't get to see you react to something funny. Like, when my friend Jack, I lived with Jack and Clay and Richard all through college. When Richard graduated, because he's the only one who did it on time, and moved out, like, we thought, oh, me and, me and Jack and Clay will hang out all the time. We actually hung out less. And we found out that Richard was sort of like, even though he wasn't necessarily like, he's not really funny. Um, he's really not. <laughs> but there was something about him that brought out something in Jack that I never saw again. Or brought something out in Clay that I would never see again. Because we get so wrapped up with this idea that this is mine. That we forget this and can actually look and say, the folks that you don't know or your friend that you're considering bringing or whatever, we actually need them because they're going to bring something out not only in other folks but also in yourself that you didn't know about yourself. Because here's sort of, this sort of the pressure that we put on church that I think is undue um, is that, and this would kind of be a, probably the point of application, that so often we can come to something like this and just want to find friends. And that's okay for a little while. And that'll sustain you for a little while. Um, but what you're actually putting on the church is a weight that it's not intended to bear. And so you've all, you've all seen this. You got a guy or a girl who kind of shows up, whether you're in college ministry or young life or whatever, or even maybe even here at Midtown, 
somebody that'll show up and they come in guns a blazing. They want to do all kinds of stuff. They like want all kinds of people to hang out with them. And then three months from now, they're gone. And then the accusation would be, well, I just couldn't find community there. And I think that's an unfair accusation. Midtown has its flaws. We're terrible at a lot of things. I got a whole list in my office. I'm saving it for when I quit. We're terrible at so many things. But I think that is one that might be a little unfair. Um, because what we're asking and what, what I'm asking even of Midtown, even in, in my job, is, is sometimes I, like, I get up here and I want y'all to think I'm funny or I want you to like me. And then that doesn't happen. And then I go home and I just slam a bunch of 99 cent cheeseburgers from Wendy's. Because I've put, a, I've put a weight on y'all that you weren't intended to bear. And so when we come in kind of guns ablaze and hot saying, like, I've got to get friends, I want to do all this stuff, like, that's great. But you have to know, you kind of have to rally around something. So these folks weren't just gathering for the sake of gathering. And there's nothing wrong with gathering. Y'all, I love a good gathering. We had a small group gathering the other night, and we were supposed to have a serious time at the end of the dinner, and we didn't have it, and I was so happy. I was like, man, we just get to show up and eat and then go home? That's great. But that doesn't last, right? And so when we, when we come to this, when we come to church and we're saying we want to look and face out and see how can we invite other people in, we're really connecting with the mission that God has. It's been said that God doesn't have a mission for his church. He has a church for his mission. We're what he's going to use to get this circle full of people. And he's going to use things like Sandbar. Please sign up to go to Sandbar. He's going to use things like Carrie's Bible Study. He's going to use things like Pickleball. He's going to use things like this. He's going to use tons of vehicles and things that we try to plan as a, as a leadership team of things of like happy hours, trivia nights, all that kind of stuff. We believe that those things actually accomplish this. And so while they're social in nature, when you look at it through the mission of what God is doing, you're actually saying, I'm bringing a life-changing encounter with the kingdom of God everywhere I go. And so we can stop looking this way. And there are seasons that you need to do this. My sister died back in March. I needed this. I didn't have the capacity for this. I think now I'm in a spot that I do. Right, but you're going to get your heart broken. You're going to lose your job. There are times that this is okay. But if it's only this, then we're missing this. And this church is saying to us, you're here because this happened. The only reason it could spread from this tiny little gathering, right, in, in the ancient Near East to explode to where it is now is because of that. Because there are folks who said, I actually love this enough that I'm willing to risk it blowing up for you to be a part of it. So if you're here and you're like, hey, I just came to Midtown, I just stumbled in here and I don't like it, that's fine. Um, but if you've been with us for one day or you've been with us for 50 years, which would be impossible because you're not that old, um, this is where we're headed. Um, and we can't base it on like how great this room is or how, like how cute our church is on the outside. Because um, they'll bring a wrecking ball in here and the whole thing's gone, then what do you do? Um, we can't base it on just how fun social things are, because they certainly are, but when those go away, what do you do? Um, I think what we can learn from this church, and actually what you guys are doing, because you come to this, and I see you serving, and I see you making friends, um, is that you can say, we're going to take this, and they're not just going to let it live in kind of nostalgia land. We actually want to make it happen now. Um, so whenever I drafted this series of the church you've always wanted, that's what we want to talk about. If this is what we long for, a place where we can be vulnerable, a place where we can walk in and, and risk being known and ask good questions um, and actually mean it when we ask somebody how they're doing and we actually want to listen, that's the other part that's hard is I kind of don't, <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really want to hire it. Um, not you guys. Some of you. Um, 
But we can look and say, how do we move from this to this to this? I think small groups are the best way to do this. We don't do them perfectly by any means. But I think it gets us close. Because, again, we can interact in this circle all day. But you kind of need old people. Also, they have a lot of money and they'll give it to you. (laughs) Maybe they give it to you when they die. Some of them are close to it. Um, Like, you need parents, right? You need your fantasy football friends. You need friendships that are a little more chill and aren't intense all the time. Um, But how can we move all these to this and then to this? Ultimately, because this is what God is wanting. This is what we see in Revelation. This is what we see in Revelation 21 when we preach about that. Um, So, serving with young lives, serving in kid town, doing slides on Sunday morning, which is the most stressful job in the church, Um, greeting at the doors. These are all ways that we can move kind of along this spectrum. Um, So we just ask that you be willing to risk that. Um, Because if you're not going to risk that, then you're kind of wasting your time, honestly. Go do something else. Like, not that we don't want you here, but you're kind of like, what are you, why would you be here? Like, it, it kind of sounds boring if you're not interested in it. Christians talk funny. Like, why, why are we doing all this? Um, so that is, that's where we're headed. And how can we create a place that we really do love coming to, not just on Sunday, but kind of any time during the week? Um, so let me pray for us. We've got a few minutes before we kick you out. Of, we'll kick you out of here at 845, uh, but you can, you're welcome to hang out until then. There's all kinds of snacks back there. Please eat them. Make it look like people showed up. Even if you don't eat them, just pour them in the trash can. <laughs> just so, some of them are gone. I've got to earn my paycheck. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do love you. Um, and it's so scary following you. Um, Jesus, I'd be lying to a whole room of people here if I didn't admit that. And that you kind of scare me a little bit. Um, and yet you've put us together to be scared together um, and to also look at your promises uh, that you have never failed us uh, you've never let us down uh, you said you would never leave us and forsake us um, and Jesus some of us haven't lived long enough to have that tested um, some of us know exactly what that feels like um, to long for you um, to the point of tears and long for you to the point of weeping. Jesus, would you comfort us when we get there? Would you sustain us as we go along? Uh, would you remind us um, that as we look at other image bearers, um, that we don't see them as threats, but we can see them as friends? Uh, so Jesus, would you grow our church? Uh, would, you, would you grow our numbers? Would you add to us? Um, not to prop us up, Lord, but to humble us, uh, to see that um, you're the only one who can grow anything. Uh, so Jesus, would you do that for us? That's your name we do pray. Amen.